Hello everyone, I'm back. I'm so sorry about that. I had to pause it because I had a crazy cat running around um, playing with one of his toys and he accidentally, or maybe on purpose, bumped my microphone. So I had to pause it. I'm back. And here we are. So I think I left off where Anne, uh, the king, was just starting to show some interest in Anne. And I had gone over their looks. Um, and although Mary was said to have been the more attractive um, than Anne, Anne was definitely more ambitious and more intelligent. And the king took an interest in Anne. Anne refused to become his mistress. So basically, Anne went the other way that Mary did. Mary ended up sleeping with the king. Anne would not do it. Now, going back to Mary, we do have to remember she was under the influence of her family. And whatever she was told to do, she had to do it. So she was told that she was going to be the mistress of the king because the king showed an interest in her. She had to do what her family did. Anne seems to have been more of the rebellion and decided not to go the way of Mary. And that actually worked to her favor. And obviously it is believed that the family ended up backing her in this. So she refused to become his mistress, which only made Henry more interested in her. He was desperate to have Anne and wanted by the, by 1526, he was determined to marry her. Um, it gave him further incentive to seek the annulment of his marriage to Catherine of Aragon. Um, as history lovers, we all know that story that Catherine was first married to Henry's brother, Arthur. Um, Arthur died and Catherine said that they never consummated the marriage. Therefore, Henry was able to get the okay from the Pope to marry his brother's widow. At this point, Henry has decided he no longer wants to be with Catherine and is very determined to be with Anne. Um, so we know the rise and fall of that. In 1532, Anne accompanied Henry to um, Calais. Calais, people pronounce it differently. On his way to France, Mary was one of the companions. So basically, once Henry started showing interest in Anne, Mary took the back seat and had to basically be there for Anne. So Mary was with Anne on that trip, probably not something she wanted to do, to do but obviously had to do. Anne was crowned queen on June 1st, 1533. And on September 7th, she gave birth to Elizabeth, who we all know Elizabeth I, the Golden Age, you know, the most wonderful queen I, besides Anne, I believe, in England. At this point, in 1534, Mary, in secret, married um, young William Stafford. Later, he was knighted and known as Sir William Stafford. Um, Stafford was a soldier. His prospects as a second son were very slight. 
nothing major and his income was very small. Um, many believe that this was a love match. As I said in the beginning that Mary um, married William for love. Mary became pregnant. Um, then the marriage was discovered and Queen Anne was furious. At that time, uh, if you were part of the royal family, Hen um, Henry VIII and the Queen Anne were the ones to choose who you would marry, who you would court. So the fact that Mary did this um, in secret was a huge problem. So bad. And Anne was so furious and the Boleyn family was pretty furious too because Mary married below her position as it was seen at the time. And the couple were uh, banished from court. Um, at that point, since he's been banished from court or she has been banished from court, her financial situation is not a good situation. Um, it became so desperate that she was actually reduced to begging um, Thomas Cromwell, who was the king's advisor, to speak to Henry and on her behalf to get anything that she could. Um, she admitted that she might have chosen a greater man of birth, but never one that should have loved her so well, nor a more honest man. And she went on, I'd rather beg my bread with him than to be the great, greatest queen in Christendom. And I believe verily, he would not forsake me to be a king. Those are very strong words. Now, I apologize. I did skip over her first husband, William Carey. William Carey died of the sweating sickness. Therefore, Mary was widowed, and that's why she is now married to William Stafford. So I, I apologize for that, that I skipped over that. So now she's married. She's pregnant. Um, it seems she is very in love, but she needs some financial help, as unfortunately Stafford was a second son and did not make that great of an income. Um, they seemed very indifferent to this. Henry the king um, seems to have been indifferent to this plight. Mary asked Cromwell to speak to her father, her uncle, her brother, but unfortunately this came to no avail. Um, it was actually Queen Anne that relented and sent Mary a very, very magnificent golden cup and some money, but she refused to reinstate Mary's position as a lady in waiting to her at court. So there was a partial um, meeting of the minds at that point between the sisters, um, but it is believed that they never met after Mary was exiled from the court. And after that, um, Mary's life between 1534 and her sister's execution, which Anne was executed on the 19th of May, 1536. Her brother was ex executed the day before. Um, the trail kind of goes cold with Mary. Uh, there is no um, written, there's nothing known at this point. There's nothing written of her visiting her parents. 
um, being there after the death of her brother and sister or her parents or her uncle. She seems to go off the grid. And Mary died of unknown causes on July 19th, 1543, which would have put her in her early 40s. I find it, I find her story fascinating simply because she seemed to have to have been a device that her family used to move the family forward. She did exactly as she was told. And then once Anne came into the picture, Anne became very bold and would not become the king's mistress. So I like, I, I often think why, why Mary ended up being the mistress and then why did Anne refuse it and what were the parents or the family involvement with this? I find that fascinating. I find Mary's story to be very sad yet very happy in the end because as I've told you, she ended up going her own way, albeit financially not very secure. But as she said, she would rather be in love and have this husband who loved her dearly than to be the Queen of England, which we all know was a very big pot shot at Anne. So again, I've done, uh, I've done so much studying. I've done so much Googling. I've done anything I could to see if there's anything after um, the execution of Mary and George to see what became of Mary. And there really isn't anything. Her children did end up moving forward um and became henry i believe became part of elizabeth the first court um court but other than that we don't have a lot on her we do have information on her children which in further podcasts i'll get into but that is the story of mary boleyn and again she's one of my favorites i wish there was more about her but there's not but as I say in every podcast, if anyone has any further information that I have not mentioned, I would love to hear about it. You can tweet at me, um, Lone Crusader on Twitter. I have a Facebook page, Lone Tutor Crusader, that you can get me on. And I'm on all platforms. Please leave a review, um, a comment, anything. I am very open to hearing constructive criticism, praise, anything. So I hope you have enjoyed this uh, podcast on Mary. And I think next week we are going to be studying Thomas More. So I will talk to you all next week. Q&A, um, I know I have been promising that will be coming out tonight. So I look forward to anything you have to say. And that's about it. Thank you once again for listening. This is Amy Logan of Lone Tutor Crusader, and I will see you all next week. Hello, everyone. I'm back. I'm so sorry about that. I had to pause it because I had a crazy cat running around um, playing with one of his toys, and he accidentally, or maybe on purpose, bumped my microphone. So I had to pause it. I'm back. And here we are. So I think I left off where Anne 
uh, the king was just starting to show some interest in Anne, and I had gone over their looks. Um, and although Mary was said to have been the more attractive um, than Anne, Anne was definitely more ambitious and more intelligent, and the king took an interest in Anne. Anne refused to become his mistress. So basically, Anne went the other way that Mary did. Mary ended up sleeping with the king. Anne would not do it. Now, going back to Mary, we do have to remember she was under the influence of her family. And whatever she was told to do, she had to do it. So she was told that she was going to be the mistress of the king because the king showed an interest in her. She had to do what her family did. Anne seems to have been more of the rebellion and decided not to go the way of Mary. And that actually worked to her favor. And obviously it is believed that the family ended up backing her in this. So she refused to become his mistress, which only made Henry more interested in her. He was desperate to have Anne and wanted by the, by 1526, he was determined to marry her. Um, it gave him further incentive to seek the annulment of his marriage to Catherine of Aragon. Um, as history lovers, we all know that story that Catherine was first married to Henry's brother, Arthur. Um, Arthur died and Catherine said that they never consummated the marriage. Therefore, Henry was able to get the okay from the Pope to marry his brother's widow. At this point, Henry has decided he no longer wants to be with Catherine and is very determined to be with Anne. Um, so we know the rise and fall of that. In 1532, um, Anne accompanied Henry to um, Calais. Calais, people pronounce it differently. On his way to France, Mary was one of the companions. So basically, once Henry started showing interest in Anne, Mary took the back seat and had to basically be there for Anne. So Mary was with Anne on that trip, probably not something she wanted to do, to do but obviously had to do. Anne was crowned queen on June 1st, 1533. And on September 7th, she gave birth to Elizabeth, who we all know Elizabeth I, the golden age, you know, the most wonderful queen, I, besides Anne, I believe, in England. At this point, in 1534, Mary, in secret, married um, young William Stafford. Later, he was knighted and known as Sir William Stafford. Um, Stafford was a soldier. His prospects as a second son were very slight, nothing major, and his income was very small. Um, Many believe that this was a love match, as I said in the beginning, that Mary um, married William for love. Mary became pregnant. Um, then the marriage was discovered, and Queen Anne was furious. At that time, 
if you were part of the royal family, Hen um, Henry VIII and the Queen Anne were the ones to choose who you would marry, who you would court. So the fact that Mary did this um, in secret was a huge problem. So bad. And Anne was so furious and the Boleyn family was pretty furious too because Mary married below her position as it was seen at the time. And the couple were uh, banished from court. Um, at that point, since he's been banished from court or she has been banished from court, her financial situation is not a good situation. Um, it became so desperate that she was actually reduced to begging um, Thomas Cromwell, who was the king's advisor, to speak to Henry and on her behalf to get anything that she could. Um, she admitted that she might have chosen a greater man of birth, but never one that should have loved her so well, nor a more honest man. And she went on, I'd rather beg my bread with him than to be the great, greatest queen in Christendom. And I believe verily, he would not forsake me to be a king. Those are very strong words. Now, I apologize. I did skip over her first husband, William Carey. William Carey died of the sweating sickness. Therefore, Mary was widowed, and that's why she is now married to William Stafford. So I, I apologize for that, that I skipped over that. So now she's married. She's pregnant. Um, it seems she is very in love, but she needs some financial help as Unfortunately, Stafford was a second son and did not make that great of an income. Um, they seemed very indifferent to this. Henry the king um, seems to have been indifferent to this plight. Mary asked Cromwell to speak to her father, her uncle, her brother, but unfortunately this came to no avail. Um, it was actually Queen Anne that relented and sent Mary a very, very magnificent golden cup and some money, but she refused to reinstate Mary's position as a lady in waiting to her at court. So there was a partial um, meeting of the minds at that point between the sisters, um, but it is believed that they never met after Mary was exiled from the court. And after that, um, Mary's life between 1534 and her sister's execution, which Anne was executed on the 19th of May, 1536. Her brother was ex executed the day before. Um, the trail kind of goes cold with Mary. Uh, there is no um, written, there's nothing known at this point. There's nothing written of her visiting her parents, um, being there after the death of her brother and sister or her parents or her uncle. She seems to go off the grid. And Mary died of unknown causes on July 19th, 1543, which would have put her in her early 40s. I find it 
I find her story fascinating simply because she seemed to have to have been a device that her family used to move the family forward. She did exactly as she was told. And then once Anne came into the picture, Anne became very bold and would not become the king's mistress. So I like, I, I often think why, why Mary ended up being the mistress and then why did Anne refuse it and what were the parents or the family involvement with this? I find that fascinating. I find Mary's story to be very sad yet very happy in the end because as I've told you, she ended up going her own way, albeit financially not very secure, but as she said, she would rather be in love and have this husband who loved her dearly than to be the Queen of England, which we all know was a very big pot shot at Anne. So again, I've done, uh, I've done so much studying, I've done so much Googling, I've done anything I could to see if there's anything after um, the execution of Mary and George to see what became of Mary. And there really isn't anything. Her children did end up moving forward um, and became Henry, I believe, became part of Elizabeth the first um, court. But other than that, we don't have a lot on her. We do have information on her children, which in further podcasts I'll get into. But that is the story of Mary Boleyn. And again, she is one of my favorites. I wish there was more about her, but there's not. But as I say in every podcast, if anyone has any further information that I have not mentioned, I would love to hear about it. You can tweet at me, um, Lone Crusader on Twitter. I have a Facebook page, Lone Tutor Crusader, that you can get me on. And I'm on all platforms. Please leave a review, um, a comment, anything. I am very open to hearing constructive criticism, praise, anything. So I hope you have enjoyed this uh, podcast on Mary. And I think next week we are going to be studying Thomas More. So I will talk to you all next week. Q&A, um, I know I have been promising that will be coming out tonight. So I look forward to anything you have to say. And that's about it. Thank you once again for listening. This is Amy Logan of Lone Tutor Crusader. And I will see you all next week. Hey, everyone. It's Amy Logan, your host for Lone Tutor Crusader. And this week's episode is going to be on my personal favorite, Mary Bowen. Absolutely love her. Um, she is the only surviving child of the Bowens. And obviously, we know the tragic story of George and Anne being executed. Um, and we also know a lot about Mary's life when she was at court and she was the mistress of Henry VIII. Um, and she was Henry's mistress way before Anne became involved with Henry. So it's a very tragic, intriguing 
story makes for a great soap opera, if you ask me. But out of all the villains, Mary is the one that escaped with her head still intact. And she also survived and supposedly, and I'm just going by what you know, historians have written and what I have studied, she married for love, which was very unheard of at this time. Um, in the 1500s, um, it, it was very unheard of to marry for love. Uh, people got married to advance their family, to secure uh, themselves financially. Love really never came into the picture. And most children, um, especially daughters, were betrothed when they were very young, such as five years old. They would, uh, the father would negotiate the uh, marriage dowry and it would be done. So a lot of marriages at that time weren't, as I said, because they, they fell madly in love. It was to advance families. Um, a lot of these marriages did work out, but a lot of times these marriages, they met as strangers and almost learned to love each other. And I would assume that some of these marriages, yes, eventually they did fall in love, but I'm also very sure a lot of these marriages were friendship-based, basically. They learned to live with each other. Um, but like I said, Mary absolutely is my favorite, but when she's my favorite person during the Tudor times and I simply for her story. And I definitely think it's how she's been portrayed, obviously in books, movies, TV series, you know, I would be, uh, remiss to say that didn't have anything to do with it. I see Mary as someone who was unfortunately very used, discarded, and then used to help her sister um, and help Anne's star rise. Um, so that is how I feel about Mary. Hopefully a lot of other people feel that way. You know, Anne tends to get a lot of the uh, popularity uh, vote, and I do love the Anne. I think Anne was a very strong woman um, for her time. I often wonder, as I've said in past uh, podcasts, I have awful insomnia. So somewhere between two or three in the morning, I tend to do some thinking about history, uh, Mary and George and just kind of wonder what would have happened if they had all lived, especially Anne. I do wonder how that would have changed uh, the monarch in uh, England and how it would have changed England's history. But that's about Anne. So I'm going to go back to Mary because that's what we're talking about. So like Anne and George, Mary was most likely uh, born at Blicking Hall. Blicking Hall, I, I always mispronounce that, so I, I do apologize for that. But most likely spent most of her childhood and grew up at Heber Castle in Kent, which again, I mentioned in George's episode, 
if you haven't seen Hever Castle, Google it. It's absolutely beautiful. It is on my bucket list to go there and see it. It still stands today and it is breathtaking, especially in early spring from what I've seen. Um, although I do have to admit, um, I hate winter. I'm from New England and we just got dumped on with a lot of snow and I am a very bitter person right now. My poor husband had to hear about it all day yesterday. But um, back to Hever Castle, there are some beautiful, beautiful pictures of Hever um, with snowfall. And I have to admit, it is actually very, very beautiful. So take a look at that. It is, is gorgeous. So there is no uh, record of the date of Mary's birth. As we've said, they didn't often record um, daughters' births because it wasn't really, they didn't really care for it. Daughters were just used to advance the family. So historians do believe, I think it was sometime between 1499, 1508, 1509 maybe, um, that she was born and that's about her birth year. We don't have the exact date. Um, as historians have seen, she was treated as the eldest child. So we can go forth believing she was the um, eldest child for the Boleyns that actually survived. So early in her life, she was probably educated along with George and Anne um, at Hever Castle in Kent, like I said before, she was just given the conventional education that a lot of girls were given at the time. Um, and it was deemed necessary for ladies of her rank and status. And it just included, you know, the basic principles of arithmetic, grammar, history, which yay, history, I'm just gonna throw that in there, reading, spelling, and writing, in addition to learning about her family. Um, back then, I actually shouldn't say back then because um, my maiden name is Urquhart and I am very proud of my family and our crest, but back then uh, it was very big. She was a Boleyn, but she was part of the Howard family and that was a very big thing to be proud of, just like the Seymours, the Percys, those were all the big families in England at the time. So she was taught about her family. She was taught about the history of it and how proud she should be of it. Um, so again, I probably shouldn't say back then it was a thing because for me, um, it's still a thing. I'm very, very proud of my family. I'm Scottish Irish. Like I said, my maiden name is Urquhart and I was so proud of my last name. I gave it as my middle name to my two sons and I hope they carry that tradition on. But again, she was educated in that. She was also educated in all the lady things that they needed to know at the time of dancing, embroidery, etiquette, household management, music, needlework, sewing, um, and singing and card games. Card games were very big along with chess. Um, and she was also taught archery, Falconry. I, I am so bad at pronouncing some of these 
things I really apologize, and hunting. Those were very major things in England. So Mary most likely remained in England for most of her childhood um, until she was sent abroad in about 1514, at about the age of 14 or 15, when her father actually secured her a position um, as a lady-in-waiting to the Princess Mary, sister of Henry VIII, who was going to Paris to marry uh, King Louis of France, who was much, much older than Mary, but we'll get into that in another podcast. Um, After a few weeks, uh, many of the English maids were sent away. Louis didn't want anything of England to remain um, with his wife in France, but Mary was actually, um, Queen Mary was actually allowed to keep Mary Boleyn, probably due to the fact that her father was the new English ambassador in France. So Mary Boleyn was allowed to stay when the other ones were sent away. Uh, Queen Mary actually left France. She was widowed on January the 1st, 1515. So she ended up going back to England. Mary Boleyn remained behind at court at Louis's son-in-law, and daughter, Francis I and Claude. So she ended up staying to be a lady in waiting for Claude. Uh, Mary was actually joined in Paris by her father and her sister Anne ended up going there who had been studying in France the previous year. Uh, During this time, Mary is supposed to have embarked on an affair with Francis. There really is not a lot of proof of that. Uh, Most historians believe that the reports of her affair are exaggerated. The French king did refer to her, and this is awful, and I really even hate to say it, but history is history, the English mayor. He referred to Mary as his English mayor, which I will leave it to the listener to actually Um, define that in their head. It's a very crass thing, uh, but it was believed to have been said. Um, And it was also believed to have been said that she was the great whore, the most infamous of all. I can't imagine being referred to as that. It just just gives me an awful feeling. Um, She did refer, she did end up returning to England in 1519, where she was appointed maid of honor to Catherine of Aragon, the queen um, for Henry VIII. Uh, Mary was reportedly considered a great beauty for both at the French and the English court. Now, it's important to say in England Beauty was seen as very, very pale skin, uh, light eyes, and light hair, light brown, blonde, or anything like that. That was considered an English beauty. Anything different from that was not seen as great beauty, which is very interesting when you put Mary and Anne together, where Mary had the light, light brown, maybe blonde hair, light eyes, very, very pale skin, and had black hair, dark, dark brown eyes that were almost considered black, and almost an olive complexion. 
and yet Henry VIII fell in love with her. And there were a lot of reports. Some people thought she was beautiful. Other people thought she wasn't. But back to Mary, she was literally what England saw as the great beauty. So once she was in England, she was married to a gentleman by the name of William Carey. Um, he was... He was considered very well off. Um, he was a courtier. They were married on February the 4th, 1520. And Henry VIII was actually a guest at the couple's wedding. And at some point, right around that time, Mary became Henry VIII's mistress. The starting date and the duration are unknown. Some people believe it was three years that Henry VIII and Mary carried on this affair. Some people believe it was five. It is rumored that one, Mary had two children. She had a son named Henry and she had a daughter named Catherine. It is believed that she did name her children after the king and queen, which is slightly weird in itself, but we'll go forward with that. Um, it is rumored that one or both of Mary's children were fathered by the king. The king never acknowledged that, and there is no evidence that supports that argument. The only thing that we have to look at is she was married to William Carey at the time, but she was having an affair with Henry VIII. So during that time, it is believed she would not have shared a bed with her husband because she had to be accessible to the king at all times. My personal belief is that both her children were fathered by Henry. Henry, like I said, did not acknowledge that, and both children had the last name of Carrie. Again, I, I believe that Henry actually fathered both of the children. But moving on from that, um, over during their affair, slowly but surely, the king started looking at Anne. So it is believed after Anne returned to England in, I think it was about January 1522, she then joined the court as one of the Queen, Queen Catherine's maids of honor. Um, she actually gained a lot of popularity at court, although the sisters kind of moved in different circles and were not thought to be particularly close, which I don't think that's very hard to understand when one is having an affair with the king and sleeping with him, but the king is showing interest in the other. I think that that would definitely cause some tension between both the sisters. So this started moving on. Hey everyone, it's Amy Logan, your host for Lone Tutor Crusader. And this week's episode is going to be on my personal favorite, Mary Bowling. Absolutely love her. Um, she is the only surviving child of the Bullens. And obviously we know the tragic story of George and Anne being executed. 
Um, and we also know a lot about Mary's life when she was at court and she was the mistress of Henry VIII. Um, and she was Henry's mistress way before Anne became involved with Henry. So it's a very tragic, intriguing story, makes for a great soap opera, if you ask me. But out of all the Boleyns, Mary is the one that escaped with her head still intact. And she also survived and supposedly, and I'm just going by what, you know, historians have written and what I have studied, she married for love, which was very unheard of at this time. Um, in the 1500s, um, it, it was very unheard of to marry for love. Uh, people got married to advance their family, to secure uh, themselves financially, love really never came into the picture. And most children, um, especially daughters, were betrothed when they were very young, such as five years old. They would, uh, the father would negotiate the uh, marriage dowry and it would be done. So a lot of marriages at that time weren't, as I said, because they, they fell madly in love. It was to advance families. Um, a lot of these marriages did work out, but a lot of times these marriages, they met as strangers and almost learned to love each other. And I would assume that some of these marriages, yes, eventually they did fall in love, but I'm also very sure a lot of these marriages were friendship-based, basically. They learned to live with each other. Um, but like I said, Mary absolutely is my favorite, but when she is my favorite person during the Tudor times and I simply for her story. And I definitely think it's how she's been portrayed, obviously in books, movies, TV series, you know, I would be, uh, remiss to say that didn't have anything to do with it. I see Mary as someone who was unfortunately very used, discarded, and then used to help her sister um, and help Anne's star rise. Um, so that is how I feel about Mary. Hopefully a lot of other people feel that way. You know, Anne tends to get a lot of the uh, popularity uh, vote, and I do love the Anne. I think Anne was a very strong woman um, for her time. I often wonder, as I've said in past uh, podcasts, I have awful insomnia. So somewhere between two or three in the morning, I tend to do some thinking about history, uh, Mary and George, and just kind of wonder what would have happened if they had all lived, especially Anne. I do wonder how that would have changed uh, the monarch in uh, England and how it would have changed England's history. But that's about Anne, so I'm going to go back to Mary because 
that's what we're talking about. So like Anne and George, Mary was most likely uh, born at Blicking Hall. Blicking Hall, I, I always mispronounce that, so I, I do apologize for that. But most likely spent most of her childhood and grew up at Heber Castle in Kent, which again, I mentioned in George's episode, if you haven't seen Heaver Castle, Google it. It's absolutely beautiful. It is on my bucket list to go there and see it. It still stands today and it is breathtaking, especially in early spring from what I've seen. Um, although I do have to admit, um, I hate winter. I'm from New England and we just got dumped on with a lot of snow. And I am a very bitter person right now. My poor husband had to hear about it all day yesterday. But um, back to Hever Castle, there are some beautiful, beautiful pictures of Hever um, with snowfall. And I have to admit, it is actually very, very beautiful. So take a look at that. It is, is gorgeous. So there is no uh, record of the date of Mary's birth. As we've said, they didn't often record um, daughters' births because it wasn't really, they didn't really care for it. Daughters were just used to advance the family. So historians do believe, I think it was sometime between 1499, 1508, 1509 maybe, um, that she was born and that's about her birth year. We don't have the exact date. Um, as historians have seen, she was treated as the eldest child. So we can go forth believing she was the um, eldest child for the Blinds that actually survived. So early in her life, she was probably educated along with George and Anne. Um, at Hever Castle in Kent, like I said before, she was just given the conventional education that a lot of girls were given at, at the time. Um, and it was deemed necessary for ladies of her rank and status. And it just included, you know, the basic principles of arithmetic, grammar, history, which, yay, history, I'm just going to throw that in there, reading, spelling, and writing in addition to learning about her family. Um, back then, I actually shouldn't say back then because um, my maiden name is Urquhart and I am very proud of my family and our crest, but back then uh, it was very big. She was a Boleyn, but she was part of the Howard family. And that was a very big thing to be proud of just like the Seymours, the Percys, those were all the big families in England at the time. So she was taught about her family. She was taught about the history of it and how proud she should be of it. Um, so again, I probably shouldn't say back then it was a thing because for me, um, it's still a thing. I'm very, very proud of my family. I'm Scottish Irish. Like I said, my maiden name is Urquhart. And I was so proud of my last name. I gave it as my middle name to my two sons. And I hope they carry that tradition on. But again, she was educated in that. She was also educated in 
all the lady things that they needed to know at the time of dancing, embroidery, etiquette, household management, music, needlework, sewing, um, and singing and card games. Card games were very big along with chess. Um, and she was also taught archery, fal falconry. I, I am so bad at pronouncing some of these things. I really apologize. And hunting. Those were very major things in England. So Mary most likely remained in England for most of her childhood um, until she was sent abroad in about 1514 at about the age of 14 or 15 when her father actually secured her a position um, as a lady-in-waiting to the Princess Mary, sister of Henry VIII, who was going to Paris to marry uh, King Louis of France, who was much, much older than Mary, but we'll get into that in another podcast. Um, after a few weeks, uh, many of the English maids were sent away Louis didn't want anything of England to remain um, with his wife in France, but Mary was actually, um, Queen Mary was actually allowed to keep Mary Boleyn, probably due to the fact that her father was the new English ambassador in France. So Mary Boleyn was allowed to stay when the other ones were sent away. Uh, Queen Mary actually left France. She was widowed on January the 1st, 1515. So she ended up going back to England. Mary Boleyn remained behind at court at Louis's son-in-law and daughter, Francis I and Claude. So she ended up staying to be a lady in waiting for Claude. Uh, Mary was actually joined in Paris by her father and her sister Anne ended up going there, who had been studying in France the previous year. Uh, during this time, Mary is supposed to have embarked on an affair with Francis. Um, there really is not a lot of proof of that. Uh, most historians believe that the reports of her affair are exaggerated. The French king did refer to her, and this is awful, and I really even hate to say it, but history is history, the English mayor. She, he referred to Mary as his English mayor, which I will leave it to the listener to actually um, define that in their head. It's a very crass thing, uh, but it was believed to have been said. Um, and it was also believed to have been said that she was the great whore, the most infamous of all. I can't imagine being referred to as that. It just it, it just gives me an awful feeling. Um, she did refer. She did end up re returning to England in 1519, where she was appointed maid of honor to Catherine of Aragon, the queen. Um, for Henry VIII. Uh, Mary was reportedly considered a great beauty for both at the French and the English court. Now, it's important to say in England, beauty was seen as very, very pale skin, uh, light eyes and light hair, light brown, blonde, or anything like that. That was considered an English beauty, anything 
different from that was not seen as a great beauty, which is very interesting when you put Mary and Anne together, where Mary had the light, light brown, maybe blonde hair, light eyes, very, very pale skin, Anne had black hair, dark, dark brown eyes that were almost considered black and almost an olive complexion. And yet Henry VIII fell in love with her. And there were a lot of reports. Some people thought she was beautiful. Other people thought she wasn't. But back to Mary, she was literally what England saw as the great beauty. So once she was in England, she was married to a gentleman by the name of William Carey. Um, he was... He was considered very well off. Um, he was a courtier. They were married on February the 4th, 1520. And Henry VIII was actually a guest at the couple's wedding. And at some point, right around that time, Mary became Henry VIII's mistress. The starting date and the duration are unknown. Some people believe it was three years that Henry VIII and Mary carried on this affair. Some people believe it was five. It is rumored that one, Mary had two children. She had a son named Henry and she had a daughter named Catherine. It is believed that she did name her children after the king and queen, which is slightly weird in itself, but we'll go forward with that. Um, it is rumored that one or both of Mary's children were fathered by the king. The king never acknowledged that, and there is no evidence that supports that argument. The only thing that we have to look at is she was married to William Carey at the time, but she was having an affair with Henry VIII. So during that time, it is believed she would not have shared a bed with her husband because she had to be accessible to the king at all times. My personal belief is that both her children were fathered by Henry. Henry, like I said, did not acknowledge that and both children had the last name of Carrie. Again, I, I believe that Henry actually fathered both of the children. But moving on from that, um, over during their affair, slowly but surely, the king started looking at Anne. So it is believed after Anne returned to England in, I think it was about January 1522, she then joined the court as one of the Queen, Queen Catherine's maids of honor, um, she actually gained a lot of popularity at court, although the sisters kind of moved in different circles and were not thought to be particularly close, which I don't think that's very hard to understand when one is having an affair with the king and sleeping with him, but the king is showing interest in the other. I think that that would definitely cause some tension between both the sisters. So this started moving on. Hey, 
Hey everyone, it's Amy Vogan, your host for Lone Tutor Crusader. And this week's episode is going to be on my personal favorite, Mary Bowen. Absolutely love her. Um, she is the only surviving child of the Bullens. And obviously we know the tragic story of George and Anne being executed. Um, and we also know a lot about Mary's life when she was at court and she was the mistress of Henry VIII. Um, and she was Henry's mistress way before Anne became involved with Henry. So it's a very tragic, intriguing story, makes for a great soap opera, if you ask me. But out of all the Boleyns, Mary is the one that escaped with her head still intact. And she also survived and supposedly, and I'm just going by what, you know, historians have written and what I have studied, she married for love, which was very unheard of at this time. Um, in the 1500s, um, it, it was very unheard of to marry for love. Uh, people got married to advance their family, to secure uh, themselves financially. Love really never came into the picture. And most children, um, especially daughters, were betrothed when they were very young, such as five years old they would, uh, the father would negotiate the uh, marriage dowry and it would be done. So a lot of marriages at that time weren't, as I said, because they, they fell madly in love. It was to advance families. Um, a lot of these marriages did work out, but a lot of times these marriages, they met as strangers and almost learned to love each other. And I would assume that some of these marriages, yes, eventually they did fall in love, but I'm also very sure a lot of these marriages were friendship-based, basically. They learned to live with each other. Um, but like I said, Mary absolutely is my favorite, but when she is my favorite person during the Tudor times, and I simply for her story. And I definitely think it's how she's been portrayed, obviously, in books, movies, TV series. You know, I would be uh, remiss to say that didn't have anything to do with it. I see Mary as someone who was unfortunately very used, discarded, and then used to help her sister um, and help Anne's star rise. Um, so that is how I feel about Mary. Hopefully a lot of other people feel that way. You know, Anne tends to get a lot of the uh, popularity uh, vote and I do love Anne. I think Anne was a very strong woman um, for her time. I often wonder, as I've said in past uh, podcasts, I have awful insomnia. So somewhere between two or three in the morning, I tend to do some thinking about history, 
uh, Mary and George and just kind of wonder what would have happened if they had all lived, especially Anne. I do wonder how that would have changed uh, the monarch in uh, England and how it would have changed England's history. But that's about Anne, so I'm going to go back to Mary because that's what we're talking about. So like Anne and George, Mary was most likely uh, born at Blicking Hall. Blicking Hall, I, I always mispronounce that, so I, I do apologize for that. But most likely spent most of her childhood and grew up at Heber Castle in Kent, which again, I mentioned in George's episode, if you haven't seen Heber Castle, Google it. It's absolutely beautiful. It is on my bucket list to go there and see it. It still stands today and it is breathtaking, especially in early spring from what I've seen. Um, although I do have to admit, um, I hate winter. I'm from New England and we just got dumped on with a lot of snow and I am a very bitter person right now. My poor husband had to hear about it all day yesterday. But um, back to Hever Castle, there are some beautiful, beautiful pictures of Hever um, with snowfall. And I have to admit, it is actually very, very beautiful. So take a look at that. It is, is gorgeous. So there is no uh, record of the date of Mary's birth. As we've said, they didn't often record um, daughters' births because it wasn't really, they didn't really care for it. Daughters were just used to advance the family. So historians do believe, I think it was sometime between 1499, 1508, 1509 maybe, um, that she was born and that's about her birth year. We don't have the exact date. Um, as historians have seen, she was treated as the eldest child, so we can go forth believing she was the um, eldest child for the Blinds that actually survived. So early in her life, she was probably educated along with George and Anne um, at Hever Castle in Kent, like I said before, she was just given the conventional education that a lot of girls were given at the time. Um, and it was deemed necessary for ladies of her rank and status. And it just included, you know, the basic principles of arithmetic, grammar, history, which yay, history, I'm just gonna throw that in there, reading, spelling, and writing, in addition to learning about her family. Um, back then, I actually shouldn't say back then because um, my maiden name is Urquhart and I am very proud of my family and our crest, but back then uh, it was very big. She was a Boleyn, but she was part of the Howard family and that was a very big thing to be proud of, just like the Seymours, the Percys, those were all the big families in England at the time. So she was taught about her family. She was taught about the history of it and how proud she should be of it. Um, so again, I probably shouldn't say back then it was a thing because 
for me, um, it's still a thing. I'm very, very proud of my family. I'm Scottish Irish. Like I said, my maiden name is Urquhart. And I was so proud of my last name. I gave it as my middle name to my two sons. And I hope they carry that tradition on. But again, she was educated in that. She was also educated in all the lady things that they needed to know at the time of dancing, embroidery, etiquette, household management, music, needlework, sewing, um, and singing and card games. Card games were very big along with chess. Um, and she was also taught archery, fal falconry. I, I am so bad at pronouncing some of these things, I really apologize, and hunting. Those were very major things in England. So Mary most likely remained in England for most of her childhood um, until she was sent abroad in about 1514 at about the age of 14 or 15 when her father actually secured her a position um, as a lady-in-waiting to the Princess Mary, sister of Henry VIII, who was going to Paris to marry uh, King Louis of France, who was much, much older than Mary, but we'll get into that in another podcast. Um, after a few weeks, uh, many of the English maids were sent away. Louis didn't want anything of England to remain um, with his wife in France, but Mary was actually, um, Queen Mary was actually allowed to keep Mary Boleyn, probably due to the fact that her father was the new English ambassador in France. So Mary Boleyn was allowed to stay when the other ones were sent away. Uh, Queen Mary actually left France. She was widowed on January the 1st, 1515. So she ended up going back to England. Mary Boleyn remained behind at court at Louis' son-in-law and daughter, Francis I and Claude. So she ended up staying to be a lady in waiting for Claude. Uh, Mary was actually joined in Paris by her father and her sister Anne ended up going there who had been studying in France the previous year. Uh, during this time, Mary is supposed to have embarked on an affair with Francis. Um, there really is not a lot of proof of that. Uh, most historians believe that the reports of her affair are exaggerated. The French king did refer to her, and this is awful, and I really even hate to say it, but history is history, the English mare. She, he referred to Mary as his English mare, which I will leave it to the listener to actually um, define that in their head. It's a very crass thing, uh, but it was believed to have been said. Um, and it was also believed to have been said that she was the great whore, the most infamous of all. I can't imagine being referred to as that. It just, it, it just gives me an awful feeling. Um, she did refer, she did end up re returning to England in 1519, where she was appointed maid of honor to Catherine of Aragon, the queen um, for Henry VIII. 
Uh, Mary was reportedly considered a great beauty for both at the French and the English court. Now, it's important to say in England, beauty was seen as very, very pale skin, uh, light eyes and light hair, light brown, blonde or anything like that. That was considered an English beauty. Anything different from that was not seen as great beauty, which is very interesting when you put Mary and Anne together, where Mary had the light, light brown, maybe blonde hair, light eyes, very, very pale skin, Anne had black hair, dark, dark brown eyes that were almost considered black and almost an olive complexion. And yet Henry VIII fell in love with her. And there were a lot of reports. Some people thought she was beautiful. Other people thought she wasn't. But back to Mary, she was literally what England saw as the great beauty. So once she was in England, she was married to a gentleman by the name of William Carey. Um, he was... He was considered very well off. Um, he was a court courtier. They were married on February the 4th, 1520. And Henry VIII was actually a guest at the couple's wedding. And at some point, right around that time, Mary became Henry VIII's mistress. The starting date and the duration are unknown. Some people believe it was three years that Henry VIII and Mary carried on this affair. Some people believe it was five. It is rumored that one, Mary had two children. She had a son named Henry and she had a daughter named Catherine. It is believed that she did name her children after the king and queen, which is slightly weird in itself, but we'll go forward with that. Um, it is rumored that one or both of Mary's children were fathered by the king. The king never acknowledged that, and there is no evidence that supports that argument. The only thing that we have to look at is she was married to William Carey at the time, but she was having an affair with Henry VIII. So during that time, it is believed she would not have shared a bed with her husband because she had to be accessible to the king at all times. My personal belief is that both her children were fathered by Henry. Henry, like I said, did not acknowledge that and both children had the last name of Carrie. Again, I, I believe that Henry actually fathered both of the children. But moving on from that, um, over during their affair, slowly but surely, the king started looking at Anne. So it is believed after Anne returned to England in, I think it was about January 1522, she then joined the court as one of the Queen, Queen Catherine's maids of honor, um, she actually gained a lot of popularity at court, although the sisters kind of moved in different circles and were not thought to be particularly close, which I don't think that's very hard 
to understand when one is having an affair with the king and sleeping with him, but the king is showing interest in the other. I think that that would definitely cause some tension between both the sisters. So this started moving on 